You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Well, howdy doody, folks. Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, John Hudspeth, and welcome to the show. If you can't guess by my voice, I'm in a pretty good mood, and that's because we're just a few days into deer season, and I have already filled a buck tag. By far and away, the earliest I've ever killed a mature deer, and I uh, kind of don't know what to do with myself, but we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Um, you probably guessed it, that's what we're going to cover today, uh, my, my 2023 archery buck, um, early season. And it's going to be a good old time. Uh, normally, this point in the show, I talk about like you know what I did last week and everything. But uh, honestly, there wasn't much to it. So I went, uh, killed this buck on Thursday, came back and worked Friday, just like any other Friday, kind of. And then uh, Saturday, I think I sat on the couch from about 10.30 a.m. to about 6.30 p.m. watching college football, which was amazing. Something I don't do a lot during deer season. Uh, and then Saturday was my wife and I's anniversary. And so I kind of let, I, I kept the baby during the day, let her get her nails done and everything all day. And then we went to a nice fancy dinner that evening. So that was fun. Um, Sunday we went to church and then my mom left for Nebraska because my sister's about to have her baby. And so my wife and I went over and hung out with my dad and kind of kept him company. I think he set it up this week, uh, you know, when the baby's actually born. And so that was pretty much the weekend because I had, I had already, uh, you know, kind of done what I needed to do. So, um, yeah, that was last weekend. I am, I think, going to be hunting this upcoming weekend, but we're going to talk about that kind of in the episode towards the end. Um, so we'll get there. So, so yeah, uh, we're like two and a half minutes in, not even that, and I'm already pretty much done with this intro. So that's it for this week as far as the intro. I already told you all what this episode is going to be about, and so we're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then we'll get right into the story of the buck I call Stone. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. All right, folks, welcome back, and we are going to jump into the story of Stone. And I will warn you right off the bat, this may not be the longest episode in the world because there's really not a ton to the story, um, at, least, at least the actual hunt. There's there's plenty to, you know, me getting this deer killed, but the actual hunt itself was, was pretty short and sweet. So, um, But I want to go back in time just a little bit, as I always do. And, you know, I may I may have shot this deer on October 5th, but I really killed this deer back in, gosh, probably February. And so last season ended 
And uh, as I always kind of do, after the season ends, I usually go on one good scouting walk through my, my sanctuary, you know, the spot that I never go. It's about 70 acres. It's fenced off, and we'd never let the cows in there. It's this big, deep, nasty canyon, and so we just don't want the cows in there because we're afraid we'll lose them. It's got basically three kind of major draws that come together. There's a spring-fed creek in the bottom, so there's always water down there, and it's just a perfect little deer hidey hole. And so, like I said, I think it was January 21st, um, walked a lot of the ridges, um, walked down into the bottom. I had, you know, Onyx up and I was, I was like marking where the different, uh, draws came together. And I found like this cool little swampy area. And just like I said, just did a big, just thorough walkthrough. So two years ago, we burned the kind of North half of, you know, this little sanctuary area. And then this year, my goal is to burn the Southern half. And the Southern half half is like, closer to my kind of hunt areas and stuff like that. It's a side I really wanted to get burnt, but it's also a little trickier, um, some steeper angles, closer to the neighbors, all that stuff. So honestly, I was a little bit more scared. So we did the northern half first, kind of get some experience, and then we were going to come this year and do the southern half. And so like I said, I did that walkthrough on January 21st, and then February 4th, I took the dozer back there for the first time. And uh, there, there was one bedding area that I'd kind of been working on last year. I went ahead and expanded it a little bigger, you know, took out some cedars, um, cleaned up some fallen trees, made it a little bit more accessible, if that makes sense. Like I want it thick and nasty, but also want deer to be able to kind of to be able to get through there. And so I made like some little, you know, pass, just kind of push stuff, push stuff out of the way. Like I said, expanded it, made it bigger. Um, went through and just made some random other little clearings and stuff like that. And basically just spent a whole day back there, um, just clearing new bedding areas. Um, and so that was February 4th. I believe it was February 18th. I went back there again and spent, (coughs) excuse me, spent pretty much an entire day cutting fire break and, um, went along the Southern boundary all the way around, made a big, huge loop tied it in with the fire from last year, and that uh, that area would have been about 30 acres. So that was what I was hoping to burn this year. Unfortunately, I was not able to burn it. Um, you know, we had kind of a crazy spring. Um, we had just lots of random rains and everything, which I know at this time of year sounds weird to say we had rain, but but we did. And um, and just it just never worked out for me to get up there and burn it. Like when I had time to do it, the weather wasn't right. When the weather was right, I didn't have time to do it. And so unfortunately, enough time went by, got too late in the year, everything greened up, and I just wasn't able to get it burned. But like I said, I'd still done a bunch of work, you know, for the bedding. And I've kind of I've mentioned on here a few times I've I didn't used to worry about bedding too much because we had such like all the neighbors around us are super thick and nasty and. And we've never had that much hunting pressure, so I've always been a little bit more focused on food. But this year, or well, I guess kind of last year it started. All that's changed a little bit. You know, we're starting to get some more pressure from the neighbors. Um, you know, one place sold, another place got leased. <coughs> and so I've been trying to do a lot more work and really make our place a good, like, one-stop shop. And so, like I mentioned, there's water in that canyon. There's tons of cover. I'm planting food on the outside of it. And so that was kind of my focus this year, um, which, you know, I, I mentioned the food. That kind of brings me to the next stop. I, I really um, picked up my food plot this year. 
I've never really done spring plots. Um, honestly, just never really had the the money in, in the time and stuff to do it in the spring. I'm always really busy. Um, but this year, I just I just dedicated myself to it because again, I'm I'm trying to make our place a one stop shop. And so I, I've learned over the years that you can't like I'm better off not hunting that canyon. I'm better off not hunting in it. I'm better off giving that to the deer, letting them you know do their thing, have it feel safe, live down in there, and then I hunt the edges of it. And I, I went, again, I kind of scrolled through my phone. I'm pretty sure that February 18th when I went in there and cut that fire break, I'm fairly positive that is the last time I've been in that sanctuary. I, I, actually, I still haven't been in it. I didn't have to go in it on this hunt either. Um, so again, the entire you know rest of spring, summer, now going into fall, the deer have just had that to themselves. So they feel perfectly safe. And then right outside that canyon, on the east side, which is where I hunted, I put in my big food plot. You know, I always, I've always had it in the fall. This year, I went ahead and planted it in soybeans. The soybeans turned out great. Um, you know, we had a lot of spring rains and stuff, so they they got good. They fed a lot of deer. They unfortunately did not make it till season because, of course, that rain you know shut off, um, so they weren't able to keep up with the deer pressure. And then to the north of the canyon, where, you know, the saddle, as I call it, um, I have another food plot there that's smaller. It's it's maybe an acre, and that's being generous. Um, but I actually had some extra soybeans, and so I went ahead and planted that, even though it was just an acre. They wiped that out pretty quick. It didn't last near as long, but uh, that's understandable. And then you go down the ridge, and I had another soybean plot down there. And that one, that one lasted a whole lot longer just because not as many deer go down there. It's just kind of, it's a lot further from that core area I was talking about. And so again, I say all this to say that just, I put a lot of work in this spring to make this place what I want it to be. So had the water, had the food, had the cover, and then just kind of, you know, really I was doing it for the 2% buck, if I'm being honest, um, just to add a little bit more. I, I bought a new bigger protein feeder and put that f- protein feeder up back there in the in the big food plot. And I've never fed protein. Um, there was one year before I got married that I kind of fed protein. I fed uh, dairy pellets, kind of a cheaper version of it. Um, but I didn't have those feeders fenced. The hogs got it all. It kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. And I've just never, really, again, never really had the money, time, and, and effort. But uh but this year, I was like, you know what? I, again, I was doing it more for the 2% buck and more for attraction. Like, if you start feeding protein in, like, May, which is what I did, you're not going to see a big, you know, jump in antler growth from, you know, May to October. It's just it's just not how it works. Um, you have to do it much more intensely than that. But I just, again, I started doing it for attraction. And so I think I, it was either late May or early June when I got that protein feeder up and, uh, didn't have a camera on it for a little while because it was just kind of early. Put a camera on it probably late June, something like that. And uh, this buck stone was actually one of, if not the first deer that I started getting on that camera. And I had a camera in the food plot and I had a camera uh, at the feeder. And he would be on both of those almost nightly. And when he first started showing up, I, I judged him too quickly in a bad way. Um, I thought he was going to be like a scrub eight pointer, if I'm being honest, because, you know, he had, he had pretty short fourths. And so his, his brows grew awesome. I was like, sweet, like this deer is going to be cool. And then just the more he grew, kind of the more disappointed I was, you know, he ended up not being super wide. Um, he had some like 
decent twos and threes, but you know, even then, not crazy. Even once he was finished out, um, at you know, and it took him a while. He didn't start growing his force for a while, so I just kind of thought he was going to be like a scrub eight. He was with another buck that I was much more excited about, a little bit bigger deer. Um, but I also thought that other deer was a little bit younger, <clears throat> and so. You know, time will tell. So they're they're munching on soybeans every night. They're eating at the protein feeder every night, and that's basically what kept up through the rest of the summer. Um, so those two deer ended up both being pretty good. Again, I, I judged Stone too early. He ended up finishing out really nicely. Um, I just I just didn't give him enough time, uh, and so you know, all of a sudden he popped up these little fours. Fours kept getting a little bit bigger. His twos grew a little bit more. He got a little heavier and everything. And, uh, and I, I pretty quickly determined like, all right, this is a deer that I need to target. Um, I could tell by his body, he was mature again. I have no history with him, so I can't say for sure, but just kind of judging from past experiences and seeing him around other bucks and stuff, pretty, pretty, uh, positive. He's five years old, at least five years old. Um, the other deer he was with ended up being a little bit bigger, but pretty sure that deer was a year younger. So I'm thinking he's probably four he could be five, but I really think he's four, and uh, and that deer is going to be really special next year. That that's a slingshot, and so <clears throat> so yeah, coming into season, these deer are just coming in like clockwork, like pretty much every night. Um, July fourteenth, I got a picture of the two percent buck that sent me you know over the wall, um, but then he disappeared again. He he didn't come to the feeder. I got a picture of him out in the food plot, just one picture, facing the camera. Um, I, I showed him to a couple of my close buddies and they're like, dude, that's not him. They're, or you're like, you can't tell, but I've just seen so many hundreds of pictures of this deer over the years. Like I was like, yes, yes it is. And I started to doubt myself. Uh, cause I mean like weeks went by, if not months, um, uh, with no pictures, no pictures. And then finally, I think it was in late August, uh, late August or early September, I got a confirmation picture that it was in fact the 2% buck. He started coming around more often, um, but just as always, uh, you know, I'll tell the story of him, hopefully someday when I kill him. I call that deer the 2% buck because I give myself a 2% chance of killing him. He's just not a very killable deer, even though I get a bunch of pictures of him. And so, so anyway, as season gets closer, I'm looking at all the, you know, the different deer. I get some other cameras rolling, um, and it's just very obvious that Stone is going to be my number one buck. He's, um, I, I, like I said, that other buck was a little bigger, but he was a year younger. And so he, he's mature. He's a, a good solid buck. And he was just seemed to be the most active and especially daylight active. So all those things is why I went to the top of the list. Um, when he, when he shed his velvet, he actually finished out a little bigger than I thought he was going to be, which is nice. And, and I talked about why I ended up naming him stone, Really a couple reasons. Um, I set that camera in the food plot to where it would also take videos. And, uh, you know, I was very excited to check it this summer. Um, got it, and I had several videos of Stone. And for some reason, like, I don't know if something else set the camera off or a little twitch, but I just had like four or five different videos of this deer. And I, I hadn't named him yet. And he's just standing like perfectly still just like looking off in the distance somewhere. It was a 10 second video and he like wouldn't move the whole time. Like there was a couple of them that I thought maybe the video was frozen or something. And then maybe he'd like twitch his ear or something. And so, so I started thinking of a name with that and I was like statue, statue's not very catchy. Um, and then, uh, I was like, man, he's just a, he's just like a rock solid deer. 
and that's how I came up with Stone because he's he's not a monster. He's a good deer, but he's not a monster. Um, but he's just he's consistent. He's solid. Uh, he like holds still, and so that's how I named him Stone. And so again, I had him identified. Uh, September rolls around, Velvet's off, and and he's just doing the same exact thing that he had been doing since June. Um, nothing was changing. And y'all have heard me talk about how I'm really not that big usually on early season. I've just never really had a mature deer, you know, follow a script. Um, usually into September, they start shifting their patterns and moving to their fall range and, or, you know, just not showing up as much. Um, maybe the October lull has something to do with it. I don't know. But I've just never really felt like I had a legitimate shot at killing a mature deer on opening day. But again, the closer we got, um, Stone was not changing his pattern. And he was coming out in daylight quite a bit. And so, you know, I started talking about him here. Like, I might actually have a shot to kill this deer on opening day. So we make it to the week of opening day. And, I, you know, I'd kind of been checking the weather and stuff. But I hadn't looked too close because I just assumed it was going to be another hot south wind day just like any other day because it was going to be hot and I had already started conducting this plan like a DIY air conditioning unit for my blind where you like fill a cooler with ice and you cut a hole in it and then you run a fan into that hole then you cut another hole in it and you put like a, a PVC four inch 90 degree elbow on it and that fan like pushes the cold air from the ice out onto you and I had it all worked out I was actually ordering pieces for it, and then it was like, it was, I think, Wednesday or something. Uh, opening day was a Sunday, and it was a Wednesday, and I actually clicked and checked the wind, and that's when I realized, for whatever dumb, stupid reason, we were supposed to have an east wind like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like day before, day of, and day after. No idea why. Like, there was no front. There was no anything but just for whatever reason those three days we went from having a south wind which would have worked to an east wind no idea why um it's so you know I, I already had it cleared with my wife to go i i wanted to go i wanted to hunt i had this deer coming in um tried, i tried i yeah i left that part out i had tried to plant my food plots but i hadn't got them in so i was also wanting to get my food plots planted and i was trying to decide like do I want to plant food plots on Saturday if I'm going to be hunting on Sunday and, and, you know, potentially screw it up? So I was just running this whole big battle through my mind over and over again, kept getting closer. And I, I was actually kind of like stressed out about it because I was like, I, I, I have a chance. Like that's something I've always wanted to do is kill a buck on opening day. And I have this chance, but I just don't know if I can pull it off. And so it kept getting closer and finally, I just decided, like, there's there's no way. Like, I don't want to screw this deer up. If the wind is coming from the east and the deer is coming from the west, there's just no way. Because, you know, I was looking on the map, like, you know, what if I scoot further north? What if I try to set up a ground blind? What if I try to, you know, use a, my, my mobile stand? Like, but again, there was just no way. And so I decided it would be better to use that weekend to go ahead and get my food plots planted not hunt and just be patient. And so one of the hardest decisions of my life, but that's what I ended up doing. And so I planted my food plots and then Sunday when I could have been hunting, I drove home and just sat on the couch and watched football. And so 
Again, very difficult decision, but in the long run, I knew it was the right call. And sure enough, you know, he kept coming in daylight. I was checking the weather and we had this front coming in on Thursday. And so I was already pretty ready to hunt that front for multiple reasons. One, it was supposed to be cooler. Uh, Two, that front was bringing a north wind, which is like perfect for this setup. Um, Absolutely perfect. So I was really excited about that. Uh, and then what, it just kind of kept getting better, um, kind of in a good and bad way, better hunting, but, uh, we had a crazy storm come through the day before Wednesday night. Um, I've, you know, I've talked about that on my Instagram and posted some pictures. We think there might've been a small tornado around. Um, nobody ever saw one, but it, it blew our center pivot over. We had limbs down and everything. I really expected all my blinds to be blown over. Um, I've checked three of the four, three of the four still up. Um, the fourth one I don't know about yet, but just a terrible storm. And that night my cameras were dead, which is a good thing for me because if I get to hunt the next day, because, you know, I kind of, I've, I've learned this in the past, but it really brought home last year during muzzleloader season when I took those few days off work and I was able to hunt like three or four days in a row and it just kept raining and raining and raining. And after hunting in the rain for several days, that storm finally moved out and that's when I ended up killing that good buck because they just pinned down so they were pinned down for so long that they were just finally had a chance to get up on their feet and they got up on their feet early. So that was what I was banking on. And so I, I actually had to work that morning. So I worked Thursday morning, uh, left early, drove out there. I, I wore as light a clothes as I could because it was still pretty warm. I think it was like 80 that day. Um, I had bought for my, you know, when I thought I was going to be hunting in 92 or 93 or whatever, I had bought these two little, uh, like rechargeable fans. I think they're like eight or 10 inches, something like that. And so I had, you know, sprayed down and scent free, washed my clothes, drove around a different route to make sure I wasn't going to be downwind, uh, had my fans and everything, brought a ton of extra water. And, uh, so my plan was, to get in the blind. And of course, you know, the windows and door and everything had been shut. So I knew it was going to be hot in there, even though it wasn't super hot that day. So my plan was to get in, open all those doors and windows, let it air out, and then close as many windows as possible, run those fans, and and just try to keep from sweating. Because it was, like I said, it was still pretty warm. So, so that's what I did. I came in from the east, wind was from the north. I knew the deer were kind of come from the west. Get in there, open the windows and all that, let it air out. And, uh, I started, I sat for a while with like one North window open and one South window to kind of get a breeze again, to keep me from sweating, had the fans running and it actually felt really good in there. And so about, uh, probably six o'clock, something like that. I went ahead and closed that South window, still had the one coming from the North, um, had the front window that I figured I'd be shooting out of open and then still run those fans. So watching the clock getting a little later and I, I didn't know how early to expect deer um they had been, like the day before he had been there at seven ten, and end of daylight was like seven thirty eight, something like that um but again i thought they might be moving a little earlier so that's why i, why I went ahead closed up some of the windows um about six fifteen or six thirty or so i went ahead and turned the fans off i still had a little bit of breeze coming in from the north and my eyes are just fixed on this fence crossing kind of to the northwest where I was fairly positive these deer were coming from. I knew they were coming from the west, but there's kind of two different ways they come into this food plot. 
There's an open gate kind of to the southwest, and then there's just a, a, a spot that they just decided that, that was going to where going to be where they jumped the fence to the northwest. And I'm not sure why I thought they were coming from the northwest, but I just kind of assumed. That's just when I when I sit there, that's where I see a lot of deer come from, and it seems like especially the big bucks come from the northwest. So sitting there, trying to keep from sweating, drinking water and everything, fixed on the northwest. And all of a sudden I catch movement to my left and I look over and I can tell it's a good deer. And, uh, so I pull up my binoculars and I realize it's slingshot and slingshots, the four year old, the deer that I'm really trying hard not to kill. And, uh, I think two days before that he had come out really early and way before, not necessarily way before, uh, stone, but he'd come out quite a bit earlier and so I saw him coming. I was like, oh no, like he's going to come up here. He's going to have to stick around for a while. Um, and I'm going to have to try to not spook him and not shoot him because again, he's a very tempting deer and wait for stone to come in. So I'm a little bit taken by surprise because he came through the open gate to the, to the Southwest, which makes sense because the wind was from the North. And so that way he kind of circled downwind a little bit. And so I'm looking at him and then I see that there's another deer in front of him. And so I look at that deer, and it's a super young, like, yearling buck. I'm not sure where he came from. He hadn't really been with him. Uh, and so then I, to get a better look at that deer, just to make sure I wasn't, uh, you know, seeing something, I lean to my left to look out through the other window, and I realize that there's another deer in front of that deer, and that it's Stone. And Stone's the lead deer. He's coming out. He's out in front. I take a quick look through my binoculars just to double check, and there is no doubt about it, it's him. I check my watch, it's like 6.37, I think, 6.35, 6.37, somewhere in there. Uh, Legal Light ended at like 6.28, so I mean, we're almost an hour before shooting light. And again, now I'm starting to get a little worried because they're definitely swinging downwind. And so I reached up, I closed that window, you know, the north window, so there's no longer a breeze coming through. Again, the wind's pretty much straight north, but it did have a little bit of east in it when I was walking in. So just trying to be super cautious. And, uh, you know, and they're definitely looking up at the blind. Um, I don't know if they're just not used to seeing that window open. I don't know if they can tell. Um, again, like both of these deer knew, I don't think they've ever been spooked out of this blind or anything like that, but they're definitely looking at the blind. And so I, I wanted to film, I wanted to take pictures of my phone. Uh, I had my nice camera up in there, not my video camera, but just my regular camera. I wanted to take pictures, but guys, I, I'm just not, I'm not to that point yet. I'm not to the point to where I will risk spooking a big deer to try to get some pictures or some film like I I would just rather kill them and so uh, I made the decision when they were probably 50 yards out I was like none of that so put the camera down uh, picked up my bow got my release and I'm ready like I'm, I'm in kill mode now and so they keep coming in I'm I'm using the blind to hide myself so I'm not really watching uh, I'm, I just I know they're coming in every once in a while I'd peek out a little bit just to make sure they were and, uh, and they come straight in front of me. They come to the feeder. So stone jumps in first, young deer jumps in, slingshot jumps in. They immediately push the young deer out of the, out of the feeder pen and, uh, and they're just hanging out and, uh, stone would not give me a shot. And so I'm sitting there. I haven't drawn yet. 
He's walking around, and honestly, I was a little surprised. Slingshot was pushing him around a little bit, actually. Um, again, I'm I'm fairly positive that Slingshot was a younger deer, you know, just a little bit younger, but he was definitely the dominant deer, and Stone was not messing with him, uh, and so he kept kind of mewling around, mewling around. And I'm I, there's a little part of me like still looking around uh, for the two percent buck because he's also been coming to this same spot. He had not shown up in daylight, but I'm thinking you know these deer are so hurt, so early he might be here early. And uh, and finally Stone kind of works his way to the left and he's broadside, and I'm like, all right, this is the time. Go ahead and draw. Make sure I have a good anchor. And again, they've been out in front of me for a couple minutes. And so some of my nerves has kind of gone away. Uh, I, I say that. I feel like that that helps and hurts me because I don't want to screw up. Um, it lets that pressure build some. And uh, and so I don't know. I, I've, never, I've never decided if it's better to see the deer for a long time or let it just happen super quick. Um, so anyway, as I draw, obviously the heart starts racing a little bit more. Um, but I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him and it's just clear. Like he takes a little bit of a step to his right, which makes it a perfect, perfect quarter and away shot. Set the 20 pin on him. He's about 18. I never had to range him. I just, I just kind of know and, uh, and let the arrow fly. And there's a, like a very, very quick moment in time. I mean, milliseconds where I think, oh crap, I pulled it. And I think I might have actually pulled it just a little bit to the right, which is what I tend to do. Um, but when I saw that arrow hit and go through, all that worry instantly went away. Like I knew right then and there that it was a dead deer. Um, he jumped, mule kicked, did all that. The arrow, I, I, I'm not sure what happened to the arrow. I'm not sure if it was stuck in him a little bit or if it hit a rock or the panel or what. The arrow went probably 20 feet in the air and landed a pretty good ways away from where he was standing. Um, I think what happened was, uh, actually, I just thought of this as I'm talking, the the, the arrow ended up coming out his opposite shoulder. Um, it, was, it was a great shot. I, you know, it Like I said, I pulled it a little bit to the right, but that was good because it hit back, ended up cording straight through his heart and coming out the opposite shoulder just like you want it to. And I think what happened was, when he kind of loaded and jumped, basically that arrow is coming out and it just launched it up into the air. Um, so he goes running off, running off to the south. I can see him and everything. He's pumping blood. I'm just sitting there whispering like, go down, go down, go down. And I was pretty sure I saw him go down, but there was a little bit of a tree that he kind of wrapped around. And so I couldn't be 100% sure. Um, but I just... Like I, I just kind of sat there in amazement, like not a, I think I was just like, what did I just do? Like, um, a little part of me was, I'm trying to explain all these emotions now. There was no disappointment. A little part of me was, though, was just like so confident that I was going to get him that I almost felt like I wasn't as excited as normally. Not that I wasn't excited to get him. I just like, I knew I was going to get him. Like I was just that confident that he was going to be there. Um, one of the most confident I've ever, you know, I, I keep, I told y'all multiple times the deer I killed last December was the most confident I've ever felt going into a hunt. This might've even topped that. Like I was just so sure that I was going to kill this deer that 
again, like it, it didn't take away from it in any way, but it was just a little bit different of an emotion because I was just so confident in it. Um, so yeah, so like I said, great shot, felt super good about it. Um, slingshot was kind of running around like what the heck's going on. He ended up kind of working off pretty slow, which I was, I was glad about. I was worried about educating him. Um, gave him some time, uh, didn't mess with, uh, going to the spot of the, of the shot or anything like that. Um, just went to the arrow and, whoa, oh, sorry. (laughs) My, My printer just made a noise. Um, went and picked up the arrow, checked the arrow. The arrow looked great. Um, and so I just, I just walked over there and ended up finding him. No problem. Um, didn't have to grid search or anything like that. Didn't have to look for blood. He went, I'm going to say probably 80 to a hundred yards, which is pretty amazing because he, you know, it was a lung shot and heart shot. So the fact that these deer can make that far, just crazy. Um, so yeah, great looking deer. Awesome. Um, great hunt. Uh, man, the one thing about killing a deer so early it gets dark late, and so everything gets pushed back. Um, you know, by the time I got him loaded up and took him to the house to show my brother and his kids and everything, it was like eight o'clock or something like that. Had to run to town to get ice. Um, by the time I got you know ice and uh, everything, luckily I bought a uh, a uh, baby Ruth bar at the gas station while I was buying ice because I got back to the house and uh, and my dad was there and he was basically already in bed. Um, and so I couldn't make dinner or anything, still had to go out there and, you know, gut him and take pictures and all that. And so it ended up being a super late night. I think I got in bed, gosh, probably like 12, 15, something like that. By the time I got him taken care of and, you know, showered and cleaned up and everything like that. And then of course my adrenaline was pumping. And so I didn't end up falling asleep till about one thirty that night, something like that. And so just a great awesome hunt. Like one that I've, I've dreamed of for a long time. Everything just worked out how it was supposed to. Um, I don't know what else to say besides that. I know it's not the most exciting story because I don't have all this history or encounters or anything like that, but, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like everybody dreams of two stories. Like you dream of the story where you have all these crazy encounters and it's a cat and mouse and you finally kill them in the end. But at the same time, if I think if everybody's honest, you kind of you kind of dream of just having that like nice, simple, easy deer comes in and you kill him story, and that's what happened on this one. So, got him to the processor the next day. Um, worked out the my guy who does my euro mounts is just gonna pick him up from there. Um, I actually got a call from him today. Meat should be done soon. I'm getting a little bit of everything, and um, and yeah, like I said, it, it kind of. Not the craziest story in the world, um, but that's the story of Stone. And so I'm not going to do a full shoulder mount. Uh, decided just to do a Euro. Ended up, uh, I scored him for the for the bow hunting league guys because I'm going to enter him. And uh, he ended up going 143 and two eights. And you will never hear me complain about shooting a nice, typical 10 point in the 140s. I'd do it every day of the week. So... So yeah, that's it. That's pretty much the story of Stone. Um, that chapter closes, and a very exciting chapter opens. And I, I think I kind of hinted to this uh, in my intro, but with Stone in the books, I'm pretty sure I am basically dedicating the rest of my season to killing the 2% buck. And obviously, he's always been in the back of my mind. I've obviously kind of somewhat been hunting him, 
but I've never really been like, all right, this tag right here, this tag is for this buck and only this buck. And I'm not necessarily like a full hundred percent on, you know, if some mega giant shows up, I'm obviously going to hunt and try to kill that deer. Uh, but of the deer that I have on camera right now, you know, in inventory, um, it's it's kind of him or bust for me i think uh there's another pretty nice uh mature deer that would be awesome um but i think i might actually try to get my nephew on him or, or maybe a buddy of mine um we have uh, a pretty good crop of younger deer this year you know i got a really good four-year-old uh some good looking three-year-olds um but we just didn't have quite as many mature deer running around this year as in the past and so it's a little easier for me to kind of to kind of basically put my uh eggs in the two percent basket and so i have years of trail camera data um over the years i've kind of learned that i feel like as deer get older they become a little bit easier to kill they become a little bit more predictable and i think part of it is just they they get a little overconfident you know they've done it for so long they've always been okay so they just let their guard down a little bit and so that's kind of what i'm banking on um, I have never had this many pictures of the 2% buck this early in the season. A lot of times I get some summer photos. He kind of goes away for most of October into October into November. I'll start getting some random photos of him, you know, as he's kind of chasing does and running around all over the place, but you know, nothing consistent. And then usually late season is when he really kind of dials in and starts coming in fairly consistently. He's never been the buck. that's just going to be there every day for two weeks in a row. And again, if he is, it's always at night. Um, but again, getting older, um, the weather just seems to be kind of cooperating this year. I have my my spots pretty dialed. I know when I can hunt them, when I can't. And, and one thing that I've kind of already, um, I guess, just decided on is hunting this deer probably means just hunting less in general. Like for the rest of the I I've done one sit this year. We're almost halfway through October and I've done one sit. Um, but, uh, I, I think that's just what it's going to take. I think I have to make this deer so unbelievably comfortable that he is just okay moving in daylight. I, I really think that's what it's going to take. So, um, I'm tracking his every movement. If I get a picture of him, you know, I save it. I'm trying to put all the pieces together. Um, you know, looking at the weather, the wind, where he's coming from, where he's going to afterwards. And, uh, and just building the case, starting the chess match, as always. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's exciting for you. Oh, excuse me. Hopefully that's exciting for you guys to hear. Um, like I said, might be hunting a little less. I don't know. I will be hunting this coming weekend. We got this big old cold front. I want to say the high on one day is only like 65 or something like that. Um, lows getting down into like the, the upper 40s possibly. And so even though it's, you know, quote unquote, the October lull, uh, I'm probably going to be out there. Just just depends. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens in the next couple of days. Again, I'll be watching my cameras to see if it's worth it. I really, really need to kill some hogs and some coyotes. I've been getting a ton of pictures of those. And so I think Saturday morning, I might actually sit uh, close to the saddle. That's where I've been getting most of the pictures of them. And just try to kill some dadgum varmints. Um, get them out of the way before you know the good hunting gets here. So... Still got my Iowa trip. Still got to do some uh, hunting over in Texas. I still need to kill some does on our place for sure. Got youth weekend coming up the following weekend after this one. And so still plenty of hunting to be done. Um, just not sure how much hunting I'm going to be doing 
uh, focusing on bucks on our place, unless it's for him. So not sure if I should say it's his time or my time or what, but that's the goal this year now. Um, again, can't believe I'm saying it, but I just, I just don't know if any other buck on our property at this point would make me as happy as that deer. And so I think it's worth the wait. And as I mentioned before, I think the best time to kill him is probably late season. Um, that potentially muzzleloader, especially with muzzleloader going into November. Um, but again, that's also when I kind of plan to go to Iowa. So definitely going to have to weigh that out in my brain. But um, yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it for this weekend. Like I said, a little bit shorter episode. Thank you guys for all your support. Thank you for listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast. Uh, I love getting you know messages and comments and stuff from you guys on social media. So please keep that up. This time of year, usually things pick up a little bit as far as the comment section and the messages and had some people reaching out to me and I absolutely love that. So please keep doing that. Thank you for listening to my story of Stone. Thank you for all the support again. And that's going to do it for this week. So until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.